1: This episode of the But I Heard About It podcast is brought to you by Herod's Emporium, Commander Shepard's favorite store on the Citadel.
2: Welcome back to What I Heard About It, the show that combines nostalgia with first impressions. And today we're going to space for like two seconds (laughs) of the movie. (laughs) And joining me here in studio is Murphy. Define Bozo. I'll get right on that. (laughs) And way out in Pennsylvania, we got Brian. No, no, I watched you very carefully. Red light stop, green light go, yellow light go very fast. That's it's adorable, isn't it, that the 80s <laughs> thought that people stopped when the light turned red, that that was a thing. <laughs> Clearly, they haven't been in Minnesota in this century. Yeah. From what you uh, accidentally linked to us, apparently it's a big problem in Minnesota. Yeah, I likened it to Mad Max Fury Road around April 2020, and it's only gotten worse. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. Oh. And Natalie, how's Maryland? <laughs>
3: um, well, it's OK, but uh, take it easy. Anyone have a good response for that? Maybe um, up yours.
1: <laughs> oh, make seven movie. up make seven up
2: yours. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's a reach. <laughs>
4: <laughs>
3: that would have been a good sponsorship for this movie. Somewhere he he just drinks a seven up with
2: his pie. <laughs> and this time it was my pick, and we watched Starman, the John Carpenter alien romance love movie hmm. And I that's think, I, yeah. And I think I'm the only one that's seen it. So have any of you even heard of this? I'd heard no. about it. I had no. heard about it. <laughs> well, I'm happy to be the one to introduce it to all three of you, because that's a rare thing for me. <laughs> and if you haven't heard of it, which seems exceedingly likely, Starman is the story of an intangible alien who comes to Earth and lands in, of all places, rural Wisconsin In order to not frighten anyone, he takes the form of the first creature he sees, which happens to be a photo of Jenny Hayden's recently deceased husband. And that's pretty much the movie. There's three main characters, and most of the time we're with two of them. Mm -hmm. So let's go. An anthropologist doing a field study immerses themselves into another culture, likely an uncontacted culture or at least unfamiliar. And lives among them to observe their culture, learn their rules, rituals, traditions, and every aspect of their lives. This film is a prime example of anthropology in film, as Starman will play the role of anthropologist, immersing himself in the early 1980s and learning about a portion of human culture in his role. We start with the sound of the launch of the Voyager 2, launching into space with its golden record. (laughs) Among the stars, we're reminded that this is, in fact, a film by John Carpenter.
3: (laughs) Yeah. All I can think of was surprise Pikachu meme. That was (laughs) my face.
2: (laughs) Talk about this is the Titanic and James Cameron exception to the rule in terms of style, (laughs) though we will see some traces of his usual fare. Mm. And the Voyager is absorbed by a blue ringed planet like orb as it's playing the Rolling Stones, as well as yep. film of bridges, the ocean, airplanes and other earth marvels of the 1980s with multiple languages of greetings.
5: Uh, I hope that there's some information about breakfast cereal for them.
2: <laughs> Clearly I a was, priority. <laughs> I was really
1: interested in in where the movie was going to go. Um because the, the Voyager golden record is one of the favorite things, my one of my favorite things that we as a species has, have ever created. And the fact that that is the inciting incident of the movie
2: is one of many things that will just make me smile over the course of watching this <laughs> yeah. film. Yes, indeed. But it turns out that this wasn't a planet. It's a spaceship, and it starts heading toward Earth.
3: They must have really liked the Rolling Stones to just make a beeline right for this
2: planet. Hey, uh, apart from Don McLean, who the hell doesn't? And there on Earth, we see sad Karen Allen watching old footage of her and Jeff Bridges singing together as you do.
1: (laughs) They're such dorks. Yes,
2: (laughs) She keeps getting more drunk on the heavy reds to reflect her loneliness without flannel in her life.
5: And she's topping off her glass when it's not even half
1: gone. And I just wrote in the notes, sad to see Marion Ravenwood still hasn't gotten (laughs) over her alcoholism.
2: (laughs) Well, who can blame her? (laughs) This is, of course, before the sequel, where she meets the butch lesbian of her dreams to raise her kid with.
5: Really? Please.
2: (laughs) I wish that was the plot of the TV (laughs) spinoff. Oh, that's right. There was a TV spinoff. Uh huh. I've never seen it, but there's not even much on TV tropes about it, so I'm not. (laughs) it, It only existed for like a season at most in 1986, I think. Sounds like most shows that were in the 80s, unfortunately, yeah, especially high concept ones. Mm-hmm. So Jeff Bridges hams it up on film and the drunker Karen Allen gets the more she feels tortured. This is Jenny Hayden, the widow in rural Wisconsin, who is about to get a major surprise.
3: In the form of Dennis Leary as Bill forming the bridge <laughs> that leads her to be Smalls' mom in the Sandlot. Right?
4: <laughs>
1: yeah, so screw, screw subdivisions. Every cinematic universe is connected.
2: <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Can, can you imagine if the end of the Sandlot the twist was he was an alien love
1: baby?
4: Yes. <laughs> oh my god!
2: You, you know yeah. what that
1: would that would retroactively make a lot of his uh, awkwardness in the Sandlot make way too much sense. Yes. Oh my He's, god! You're uh, right.
4: Yes. So true.
3: Starman Star Junior. who does not know about baseball? Define, <laughs> this,
2: define baseball. <laughs> define Babe Ruth. Define <laughs> throw.
4: <laughs> Holy shit. <So. laughs>
2: So anyway, the orb heads to Earth as the government begins to track it, and they're going to use the Coneheads method of American (laughs) interactings with spaceships, trying to blow it out of the freaking sky with a B-roll of fighter jets. Blast first.
5: Ask questions never, unless it survives, and then we will harness whatever it is for
2: profit and weaponization. (laughs) Otherwise known as Independence Day (laughs) 2. It is the 80s. So they still feel the Russians instead of they still fear the Russians instead of, (laughs) you know what I mean?
3: And it just felt very of the time to have the president receive all this news while he's just wearing a tux at a fancy party. It just felt very Reagan 80s. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Back when the president could actually be seen in a tuxedo and actually be taken seriously. Yeah. And it's pretty sad that Ronald Reagan is taken seriously in comparison. Wow. Boy, how things (laughs) have changed. Oh, my God. So they don't take long to get permission to fire freaking missiles at it because America. (laughs) But the orb changed course. That's important. Some Earth weapons are not so primitive. (laughs) Maps, drop it. (laughs) Some guy in a Cornell shirt gets interrupted watching a basketball game.
1: <laughs>
3: and licking his extremely greasy fingers.
1: <laughs> and I, I saw this name in the, in the credits, but this is where I really sat up and took notice because it's Charles Martin Smith. Oh, my God. He's, he's my favorite kind of... Uh, he, he always gets to play like these small, really nerdy kind of roles, but he's my favorite actor from The Untouchables.
2: Just this nerdy accountant with a shotgun. Yeah, and he, get, he actually gets a starring role. He's not just in offbeat character that's a nice change and he answers that fo- hair though is doing no favors for him no
4: <laughs>
1: I'll, I'll
2: he answers the phone rudely before realizing hey it's important and starts writing down a location in a magazine the orb crashes to earth in a fiery blaze there's an explosion <laughs> Woo, pay attention and the being through its glowing illuminated eye finds jenny hayden's house on a lake She's got lakefront property as a single widow and also has a 77 Mustang. Oh, the 80s were nice in some regards, weren't they? <laughs> oh my god, those gas prices.
3: <laughs> it reminds me of this meme I saw the other day talking about how the Simpsons own a house on just Homer's salary. Oh
1: my and god. I yeah. yeah. God, I couldn't
2: own that house today if there were 5 of me. <laughs> no.
3: No, the 80s pipe dreams.
2: Yep. And Karen Allen with no pants sleeps sideways on the bed. Been there <laughs> As the eye of Sauron observes her inside the house. <laughs> and it can like physically
5: interact with things. It turns a page in the book. Yeah. But it's just a floating thing.
2: It, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it takes DNA from a clip of hair in a scrapbook because those were things once. And just begins absorbing it
5: yeah and then a a creepy 3d model of the the dead husband's head like comes up and like spins around
2: (laughs) (laughs) so jenny hayden awakens to a bright blue light which makes her reach inside her bedside drawer
1: (laughs) and she she doesn't find anything i think she says like damn (laughs) um i'm guessing so uh, at this point i was guessing she owns a gun because a sex toy would be more interesting, but not very likely in this con- in this context. Define dildo. <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> the big dildo like that one movie. Locked back
4: in two smoking
3: barrels. Yeah, <laughs> all their props
1: Define bigger, blacker dick.
2: <laughs> <laughs> she finds on the floor a baby with a glowing head. And here's our John Carpenter portion of the movie. <laughs> yep. Body
5: horror incoming and also just fucking creepy ass baby and gloopy sounds incoming.
3: It's like <laughs> Benjamin Button meets Nightmare on Elm Street and it's just the, the sounds and some Foley artist had a great time with that. And I, I don't know if I'm having a great time with this.
1: <laughs> I will say that this is exactly the point in the movie where I said out loud. Oh, there you are, John. <laughs>
2: yeah, <pretty> much, yes. <laughs> So the baby begins to grow and age rapidly, thankfully sparing us the movie Jack in the process.
3: Yeah, thank you, Mr.
2: Carpenter. Appreciate it. Mm -hmm. And the being morphs into a replica of her deceased husband. This this whole scene, it's played out very gross, like for a, a
1: creep factor. But there's dwelling back on it after I finished the movie. There's something really, really sensible about the alien kind of. Growing into his body this way. He's Mm -hmm. following the actual human life and growth cycle. So once again, you talk about immersing himself in the culture. That's the first step is getting born and
2: growing up.
5: Oh, yes, for sure. But do I want to see it with my eyes?
2: (laughs) No. You will watch. (laughs) (laughs) So he drops are you not
0: entertained?
2: (laughs) (laughs) He drops several marble-like orbs on the floor as Jenny Hayden pulls a gun on him because America. She then looks into the face of her dead husband, Scott, drops the gun and stares.
5: And then the eerie music
2: drops to eerie silence. Mm -hmm. Starman moves forward with the gun and tries to communicate, but is also observing her reaction to him holding the gun. He tries several different languages as Jenny prays. And when he finally reaches English, repeating what he heard on the Voyager, it's a movie. So Jenny faints. Starman looks at himself in the mirror and then turns to watch the home movies of Scott, learning his movements and facial expressions.
5: And unfortunately, Scott is being weird as fuck. Hmm. And it's not the best source material for an alien, it would seem. <laughs>
2: He's a doof. He's a delightful doof. <laughs> and and it's, it's a very Terminator 2-esque moment many years before that movie came out of sort of learning facial expressions and trying to imitate them.
1: So I remember watching this scene on a a recent video that uh, Jeff Bridges did for GQ, where he highlighted all of his uh, various roles over his career. And this the scene of, of Starman kind of badly copying his own facial expressions. And I just remember wondering the first time I saw it, do they have a really, really good Jeff Bridges puppet on set or is Jeff just that good at pretending to not know how his own face works, because if it's the latter, this man
2: is truly a legend. There are very few actors that I would say it's the latter, but I'm pretty sure this is. This is Holy one of the crap. most unique performances I've ever seen. It
1: really is, and it's it's one of those things where, yeah, he doesn't he doesn't perfectly imitate it either. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that is uh, one of the things that sets up kind of the the learning process that we discover. Starman kind of goes through through the movie. But
2: yeah, he imitates, but it's not perfect from the get-go. He has to practice at it, which is a a nice touch. It really is. And he watches video of Scott using the gun to shoot beer bottles, so they at least have Wisconsin culture down pretty well. Yes. (laughs) Next,
3: grab some fried cheese curds, and he's all set. Ooh,
2: yummy. That sounds delicious. Yeah. (laughs) And he fires the gun out the window, also breaking glass. So that ties in really well. He finds Jenny feeding a raccoon in the video, telling the creature she means it no harm before Absorbing the marbles back into his hand.
5: With what sounds like some sound effects from the NES game Alien syndrome. Oh,
2: maybe it was. <laughs> and hearing the helicopter searching for the crash. Jeff Bridges is blue Daba D. oh oh my god
5: (laughs) and he uses a marble to send an emergency transmission
2: and it makes his hair real big (laughs) and karen allen is like shit i need pants and a
4: gun
3: (laughs) (laughs) this this weird guy with his little blue balls in her house This this (laughs) so And, and about those marbles, uh, does he so I'm wondering at this point, does he have a finite number of them or a finite number of times he could communicate with his home planet? I was very intrigued by the marbles.
1: It really does. We we, we learn as it goes on. It really does seem that way. And they they appear to be not just for communicating. It it, it turns out they're, they're kind of like universal do whatever you need them to do kind of
2: technology. Yeah. So she sneaks around for a really long time before getting startled by him. She screams. So he screams back. (laughs) (laughs) She can't get to the bottom of what it is not Scott is there for other than showing off them abs.
3: (laughs) Yeah, because remember, he's just dick swingingly naked in (laughs) this scene. Just there.
2: Mm -hmm. Yes. And naturally, the car can't start because it's a movie or because she's trying to fuck around and find out. Your call. (laughs) He needs to be able to show off his powers to her. It's fine. (laughs) Starman and his magic E.T. go-go touch get it started. And... Jenny tries to figure out where they're going. And Starman's all like, here's a blue marble. Show me a map, bitch. (laughs) So
3: so here I I started realizing that, yes, these are do anything (laughs)
1: marble. Do all the things. Do all of it.
2: But fortunately, vaguely, Arizona is a mystery to her because Wisconsin's education must have really sucked back then. (laughs) Off they go through those majestic Wisconsin mountains. <laughs> <laughs> While Captain Nerdface sleeps the day away in a chopper. Somehow the forest fire set ablaze last night is already out. That works out. <laughs> now we see the answer to one specific question. Is it obvious that Jeff Bridges studied ornithology for this role?
4: <laughs> Bird <He's> science. A- <laughs> yeah,
5: he's <laughs> very fascinated by the windshield wipers <laughs> in her car.
2: Yes, the, the the movements that he makes, it becomes very obvious. <laughs> he said that was what he would imagine an alien encountering human culture would be like. So, <laughs> boop, it works. <laughs> he observes Jenny speeding up at a yellow light and running through the red one. This will matter.
4: <laughs> He's
3: he just reminds me of a little child, and he the way he kind of assumes that what the I'm just calling her the grown up like the. The other adult grown human, like what she's doing is the right thing. So I, I, I loved watching him like this. it
1: was, it was at this point, like watching him study everything. I, I sort of started making mental connections to a uh, short circuit, which I'd also seen. So I could just wrote in the
2: notes, more input, Natalie input. <laughs> <laughs> we learned, we learned that comb over superstar is Mark Sherman. And he's meeting with those dudes looking for ET before they swapped out for walkie talkies. I sure- get it. Yep. (laughs) Sherman sees them trying to drill into the damn thing because America, why figure shit out when we could just try to break shit?
3: (laughs) I think Limp Bizkit had a song about this.
2: Yeah.
1: Get the man a chainsaw.
5: (laughs) Yeah. Everything is broken here. It's just how we live. I'll
2: skin your ass raw. (laughs) (laughs) On the radio, we hear what they thought they saw was no big deal because it really is the Cold War era. (laughs)
0: That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No by law. 18+ terms and conditions apply. See website for
5: details. it's just the guy like from the racketeer insisting that everything
2: is just <laughs> part of the show. Mm-hmm. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. <laughs> and Jenny asks her if that was him, still not getting that he does not understand. Starman sings the Rolling Stones at her, which makes Jenny go fucking ham suicidal or at least pretend she's been kidnapped to get a van to pull over. Jeez, you just got to say you're more of a Beatles girl. <laughs> <laughs> and the dude in the van is like tire iron. That'll work. But Starman does some magic marble shit and goes Zod from Superman, too, with Kane's pyro for effect. Damn, man, that tree <laughs> just had two days left till retirement. <laughs> and there's no way
3: that this will arouse any
2: any suspicion
3: you know ufo crash last night exploding tree caused by some dude in a well i put red i it's an orange mustang you know the mm-hmm. most conspicuous car <laughs> that mm-hmm. we can imagine here
1: i was really surprised by how widespread the destruction is more than just heating the the metal tool in the guy's hand i think he also yeah accidentally maybe melts everything metal in the vicinity, which includes the guy's ride. That's why the van blows up. (laughs) Hmm. But it's either that or the tool gets so red hot it causes secondary combustion. But in that case, the dude himself would probably be pretty crispy critters.
2: Hmm. Probably. And the ship is loaded into a totally not suspicious helicopter. And (laughs) we know this is weird because the score says so.
5: And if I turned on the subs, would it say ominous synth music?
2: I mean,
1: it's, it's John Carpenter. Ominous <laughs> music is his default score. Okay. Yeah, this is where
3: Stranger true. Things got their inspiration.
1: Their, <laughs> all,
3: all different emotions of synth.
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so someone calls Sherman on the red phone and a douche in a suit says might be hollow, which is a big deal, I guess.
1: It, it, it is because at the moment, the, the prop looks more like a solid asteroid than any kind of like identifiable craft. And the idea that if it's hollow, that
2: implies it was carrying something. Mm -hmm. So the the SETI guy especially is really interested in this. So alien Birdman keeps the gun on his lap and Jenny says it makes her a little bit jumpy. She has to explain what that means. Define gun. (laughs) And he (laughs) seems to get a grasp on some things. He digs into her wallet to see her ID and introduces herself. Jenny Hayden, (laughs) she keeps asking questions and he puts on a hat declaring that he looks like Scott (laughs) after a creepy ass smile. (laughs) And as Brian pointed out earlier, he says he looks like Scott so that she's not a little bit jumpy.
3: (laughs) And at this point, I noticed him starting to use more hand gestures when he speaks, kind of picking up some of the nonverbal elements of language. Again, kind of childlike and and learning all this as he
5: goes
1: it's it's childlike but it also speaks to uh starman's kind of maturity and his understanding that he's among uh, a potentially hostile species and the circumstances of essentially carjacking jenny put aside he's he makes it plain that he's not interested in actually like frightening or especially not physically threatening her and this was one of those moments that becomes a stepping stone where he's learning to really communicate that fact better as
2: the film goes on.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: And Sherman goes to some Seattle weather and <laughs> gosh, we sure do see a lot of walking scenes in this movie. Yeah. We got to walk
5: and or talk for exposition.
3: <laughs> is that the Sorkin rule?
2: It is. Ooh. Although we're not in front of them moving backwards as they do oh, okay. it through long hallways, right. but true, close true, enough. True.
3: But see, I called back to one of your early, early episodes there. You did. Uh Yeah, The the pre-me days.
4: Yeah, (laughs) pre-me. He observes
2: observes the ship for two seconds before the guy who flew him there tells him about a call from the van guy. The specific greeting that was repeated starts to help Sherman put the pieces together.
5: How do you melt a lug wrench?
2: (laughs) (laughs) They get into the ship and Sherman finds... The LP, the golden disc from the Voyager.
5: Is it a laser disc or is it like a metallic
1: coated vinyl? I was actually interested in the answer to that question. So I went up and looked and according to NASA, it's a phonograph disc. So Hmm. if it is metallic coated vinyl or metal all the way through, it's meant to be played like with a phonograph needle.
2: Hmm. Okay. Hmm. Though it kind of looks more silver, but (laughs) what can you do? Space does weird things. Sherman, realized, <laughs> Sherman realizes it was an imitation of what the creature had heard on it that he's repeating. And I
1: believe Sherman is is even introduced once he gets uh, involved with the other uh, uh, government agents here as an actual member of SETI, the the search for extraterrestrial intelligence.
2: So yeah, he's very aware of the well, of that exact wordage and what it means. Yeah, it almost uh, it almost seems like he had something to do with it. That's kind of implied too. Maybe. I don't know if he was if they ever established he was ever part of the Voyager program. Well, when he says we a lot, it sure makes it seem like he was involved somehow. But that's also something that people do. So, yeah, he he might be just kind of counting himself among the fraternity of of, uh, uh, astronomers and astrophysicists. Fair enough. (laughs) So meanwhile, Jenny has to stop for gas and attempts to explain why they're stopping for gas. He doesn't quite get it and Starman observes a dork in a striped hat using a thumbs up and saying, take it easy. She has to go to the bathroom. She doesn't want to explain shitting to him, coward. <laughs> but Starman is equally unimpressed with going to the bathroom, as well as the concept of gender. So Starman says non-binary rights, I guess. <laughs> he tries to follow her in, and it leads to some wacky misunderstandings. <laughs> he
5: says gas thinking of the f- fuel for the car but a guy walks by and he says gas and it sounds like he's talking about farts anyway <laughs> ow oh my goodness charlie wants charlie. to just chew on me <laughs> it's happened five times that's the first time that i couldn't help but make a sound anyway oh and this guy <laughs> he he like says uh oh, they're everywhere because he like the star man just of course does not know how to interact with a man in the bathroom <laughs> and this dude just he's like oh these guys these people are everywhere i'm mm-hmm. like Do you, are you just running into gays <laughs> everywhere
1: where or else? just really repressed and aggressive truckers
5: yeah <laughs> oh trucker trucker life is a different than normal <laughs> life
2: okay Yeah, that that would be an interesting twist to this movie. (laughs) He imitated a trucker. I would would like to see that remake. (laughs) (laughs) Then Starman drives and they discuss the need for food. After he wakes Jenny up by singing a standard.
3: Yeah, so he he hears a song and then he can sing it right back. And it seems like he has pretty instant retention of new info, so that's cool. And these conversations that they're having about understanding things like hunger reminds me of, I just recently read the book Project Hail Mary um, by the guy who wrote The Martian. And there's some cross species, like species, alien, human, I don't know what you'd call it, but communication that happened in it and just trying to explain these things to each other and seeing it in this movie just really reminded me a lot of that.
1: There there was something that that, that dawned on me too. Now, I, I hadn't read that book, but I remember growing up, I read a lot of Animorphs
4: mm-hmm.
1: and there are some scenes where the alien species present present in that book kind of interact with one another. And I remember that it's this exact sort of conversation happening between one of the, the primary aliens and a, and a group of humans that they accidentally uh, beamed aboard their ship. And they are fascinated by the fact that human biology works completely different to theirs. Never mind the fact that their biology is an alien shape-shifting four-eyed scorpion-tailed centaur person.
4: Cool.
1: So there's bound to be some differences between the two shapes.
5: Well, <laughs> before we started recording, I was talking about Deep Space Nine. Like, that's the first fucking episode of Deep Space Nine is Cisco trying to, like, s- explain the concept of time to this uh, to, one to, alien species. Yeah,
1: to an alien species that does not experience linear time. Yeah.
5: yeah. <laughs> love that shit. Just,
1: I again really, really high concept sci-fi. I love what I love watching and reading and seeing writers really having fun with this idea.
5: <laughs> yeah, like just like the concept itself and then like where they take it. I'm like I'm strapped in, baby. I'm along for the ride. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: So Starman sees a light turning yellow with a truck approaching on the other side and oh shit, he learned exactly what he saw. <laughs> that knocks some hey down, hey down, don't dream it's over. <laughs> Boo.
5: Did did Murphy Boo. write this? No, I didn't. That was her. <laughs> I'm, I'm rubbing off. I'm proud of you. <laughs>
3: I thought it was the wrong color in the Google
5: Doc. Like... <laughs> I don't know if that's a compliment or not,
2: but congrats, yes. Chris.
4: Yes, it is. <laughs> almost like we spend
2: almost every day of our lives together or something. <laughs> so back at the Star Lab, then they're all like, we got to tell the president the plot of this story. Don't worry, man, it's Reagan. He won't remember what you said a few minutes later. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go again, though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Sherman goes so over the top with this performance, and it's mixed with such delightful cynicism.
3: At this point, Sherman is so wound up and emotive that one of his comb-over strands of hair actually falls in front of his face. He, <laughs> he was into it.
2: And they also don't rely on you knowing things like what was on the record or... What they would feel would be necessary to help someone get by with a language, say, like an anthropologist in an uncontacted culture. (laughs) So Jenny teaches Starman that the little star is called the sun and establishes that they must be in Arizona or three in three days or they'll leave without him and he will die.
3: (laughs) Yeah. So I I was wondering about his length of time on, on our planet here. And um, so I guess he won't just get stuck in the human form and live a happy life with Jenny Hayden.
4: Mm -mm. No, but
2: better go look for food station though.
5: (laughs) And Jenny is really starting to get empathetic towards him and getting far more patient with how she explains things and getting to know how much detail she has to go into. So that's, it's very sweet to start seeing that.
1: I think we're also seeing Starman's own empathetic nature coming out as well because um at, at this point in the conversation um when they when they break down the 3-day timetable um he yeah he, he says the little star and and Jenny corrects him we call it the sun. He starts up again saying when the little star, excuse me, when or, I mean he stops and says when the sun is uh 3 times overhead that's when my people will be here. So It's like, yeah, it's some empathy back. He'll use your terms for the things while he's here. And at this point, I kind of thought offhandedly, I bet Starman respects pronouns as much as he does regular nouns. You know, this is a
2: stand. This is a stand up observer. Indeed. (laughs) Yeah. Meanwhile, at Bodark's bus stop, (laughs) the most it has to
3: be a real place because you is can't name something better than that.
2: It is a real place, or at least it was. And it's also the most Wisconsin-looking place in the whole movie. (laughs) We are treated to the image of, unfortunately, a dead deer. And Starman is not a fan, just like me, and asks if deer eat people. And it's just like, y'all are a primitive species. Oh, (laughs) I
5: cannot disagree.
2: So douchebag redneck
3: who definitely went on to vote for Trump in both 2016 and 2020 mm-hmm.
4: yes.
2: <laughs> makes fun of him. And Jenny tells him to stay away from that Bozo Define Bozo, <laughs> which is what he says. and It is adorable. And I just love this so much.
1: There, there is one point of empathy that I have for the Bozo here. And that is uh, he has a later line about uh, offering some venison mm-hmm. based, based on his hunt. So it's, he's, he's not a trophy hunter. He's mm-hmm. intending to make use of the animal he killed. I feel like if they wanted to kind of uh, leave us with a little less em- empathy, they make it a, like an actual buck, you know, mm-hmm. with the full yeah. antlers or anything. He's gone. I'm going to mount this sucker on my wall and because <laughs> that was one moment. It's like, oh, OK, so he's he's an actual, you know, decent hunter. He doesn't just do this for sport. But then the rest of it is just like, yeah, go ahead.
2: Kick his ass. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's fair. <laughs> so while she looks for directions.
3: Without the help of Google Maps, just yes. watching people look for directions <laughs> in yep. older movies, I, I commend them for their effort.
2: And Starman just can't take his eyes off the deer. What a coincidence! Hey, there's a giant crater in Arizona. Maybe that's where they're supposed to go. <laughs> She's giving him directions on what to do in case something happens to her. Hmm. Yeah, no reason in particular, though. I just wrote in the notes. My plot device alarm is buzzing. Yeah. And Starman sees another picture of Jenny and Scott on their honeymoon. And she has to explain that as well, especially the concept of love. Oh, God. Oh, <laughs> this poor woman is trying so hard not to lose it in the face of her dead husband while also having to look at him, knowing that she kind of has him back, but not really. It's such a subdued yet really emotional performance.
3: Karen Allen just owns
2: this moment. Yeah, she does. Yeah. And the powerful story is broken up with divine shit.
5: (laughs) (laughs) It was already broken up for me when I thought about how Starman looks like Big Bird while she's fighting love and getting all choked up about it. He just looks like Big Bird.
3: (laughs) As I was doing my notes and I read that, I almost spit out my coffee. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it was, it was, it, and and i yeah i i was out of the moment at that point too and,
1: and back to balancing the seriousness with humor because as soon as the waitress comes over um Starman just per- perks up like a like, again like a toddler learning a naughty word shit
4: <laughs> like, yeah you have to excuse him he's just he's
1: just he's still learning english like pick the hell of a good place to start <laughs> <laughs>
2: The waitress just owns every single second she's given. Yes. yes. yes.
4: <laughs> Saying the
2: Dutch pot is terrific with the OK sign back before that was problematic.
4: Oh, yeah. And
2: she has to explain not to eat this. Um, and Karen Allen has to just explain not to eat dessert first and Starman gives no shits about that particular custom <laughs> and
5: pie is a highlight of our primitive species
2: yeah and why the hell
1: not i mean i, I mentioned anamorphs already but i've seen plenty of other sci-fi works that use earth's
2: culinary culture as an intergalactic selling point
4: oh <laughs> that's true
2: <laughs> she hears that a bus to chicago is leaving in five minutes and she has the waitress to get her on it must be why she asked if something happened to her the ra- the waitress is a real one and doesn't question anything she asks. <laughs> no, she just rolls with all of it. What is her job like day to day? She's so adaptable. <laughs> I want a movie about
5: her.
3: Yes the the waitress is the guardian angel of the truck stop. I mean, I think this is almost a series not not just a movie. <laughs> new I, new visitors every day.
1: Yeah, I, I was thinking back on this um, and really sitting in my head like at any at any highway rest stop you see you you travel to in the country and especially anybody from Pennsylvania who's been along I76 at the rest stops there there're always uh leaflets and reports about uh missing children uh you think about now we've got automatic road signs that, that flash with the uh, license plate information and car information when an amber alert happens and uh in PA especially there are all of these little warning signs about how to recognize when somebody is being like being trafficked and ways that they like little symbols for them if you're in trouble to signal to another person for help mm-hmm. and all i'm thinking about this and i'm thinking about all that and thinking like this waitress is one of the central figures to spot activity like that especially at this point in time. So
2: damn straight, she's a real one. If she knows a traveling woman might be in trouble. Right on. And before she can get away, the waitress tells her that Starman is out in the parking lot. All of them watch and the music indicates that something magical is about to happen. (laughs) And the the deer comes springing back to life and Starman sets it free. (laughs) Did
5: he have to use a marble for that? Or is that a cantrip?
2: (laughs) Oh, don't be silly, Murph.
1: Revival spells start at third level minimum. (laughs)
5: Oh, shit. He's not playing by earth
2: rules, though. (laughs) (laughs) So Bozo Bozo starts hitting on her before going off to be an asshole. I just love that Bozo. (laughs)
5: That's what I would have called this guy anyway, but the movie set it up for me. I didn't have to do
2: it. You have to take the day off on this. (laughs) He punches Starman right in the fuck and then Starman punches him back and mimics everything he said. Comb over group 3000, start beating him up with some Indiana Jones sound effects until Jenny shoots the gun in the air three times. Damn, she turned quickly. (laughs) I just wrote the notes Mm -hmm. after firing the gun in the air. We're going to Wendy's. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I get that reference. (laughs) (laughs) Starman asks, what about the little bit jumpy? And she gets it now. The waitress, (laughs) still a real one, asks if she needs to hold the bus for her and she says no and gets back in the car with the beaten up Starman as a blue dot curiously drops over the window. The Meninists get flipped off for their efforts. Up yours. <laughs> and decide they're going to ignore that gas is 99 cents a gallon and chase after them. They go right into the aforementioned transcontinental bus, which does not have George Carlin's beard entangled in it. And they, of course, lie about what happened.
1: All right, it's time for the white guys to join up with some white cops in an old-fashioned murder posse. (laughs) yee So,
2: 1312, and they see a (laughs) very obvious Mustang while the feds come in.
3: Oh, if only Jenny Hayden had a more boring car.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And hey, there's Sherman on the trail, and he realizes it's not a kidnapping. Not anymore. (laughs) And informer former helicopter guy, that's his only job, (laughs) says that the cops have spotted them. In the car, Jenny starts telling a very romantic story about Scott, although apparently it only took them a few months to get from meeting to the honeymoon. Giggity. She ranks beautiful, better than terrific and apple pie. (laughs) At
5: at this point, she's adjusted to how he needs reference to things that they've already encountered. And that helps give him reference. and helps him learn.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm hmm. And they hit a Holiday Inn after Generic State University game <laughs> to get some sleep. And they leave the gun in the car because that's what you do. The yeah, generic
1: are... State generic state University was my safety school. <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, and the cops are told not to approach them unless they're in danger. I'm sure they'll listen. Yeah, they're, they're so worried about not getting the glory. Wow. What complete fiction.
3: Oh, and just like the cringe of these cops thinking they're going to be viewed as heroes. You no. Know?
2: Yeah. No, gentlemen, no. They're they're like, this just might develop into a life-threatening situation. Yep, that's cops, all right. Yep, pre-justification for use of force. (laughs) And according to the sign behind him, they're in North Carolina? That's an (laughs) interesting route from (laughs) Wisconsin to Arizona. (laughs) (laughs) Roachin. Yeah, really? And in the hotel room, she's awfully comfortable getting undressed in front of him. Which she soon realizes that is like, whoop. <laughs> and Starman says he remembers everything the body feels. Oh, boy, and, oh, oh, again. <laughs> and Starman gets the first experience of racist television before coming upon a generic old Hollywood beach makeout scene. <laughs> again, boy, oh, yo, yo, yeah. <laughs> Very,
3: like swing Wayne's world because everything <laughs> connects back to that.
2: Oh, of course. And Starman starts trying to reenact what he saw, <laughs> like immediately <laughs> while she's sleeping. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> then there's a knock at the door breaking the moment. And one of the UNC fans, another real one, tells him the cops are fucking around with their car. Yeah. Letterman jacket dude said a cab. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> they even provide the diversion, allowing them to escape. Damn, they meet some awesome people. <clears throat>
3: Yeah, seriously, between waitress and a cab mustache, man, we've got some real, real ones.
1: I on guess this right. was I guess this was still pretty close to the era where everyone recognized and hated the man. Got uh, Cap- no. him with capital letters.
5: Was that actually ever
2: a think. Oh, yeah.
1: nineties. The
4: oh, yeah,
2: <laughs> uh... <laughs> they try to get away and the cops start chasing them. Starman picks up the gun. <laughs> oh dear. <He> fuck. <laughs> and they're like oh shit chance for murder yeah just <laughs>
3: cops doing cop things
2: and they shoot a fucking shotgun right into the side of the car killing jenny instantly a cab mm-hmm. mm-hmm. holy shit the synth kicks in and sounds
5: way more like a horror movie and it's mixed in with like a lot of red lighting and more cop interaction scenes <laughs> need to be filmed in this tone please it's accurate
4: yeah
3: and just holy shit uh she got shot like i i was not expecting that but i'm thinking and hoping for mighty Morphin' marble time
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh no natalie she didn't get shot she had half her goddamn rib cage blown out all i can think i can think of this moment is damn
2: john
3: (laughs) yes yep good clarification there because yeah this this um this shook me
2: yeah
3: (laughs) me too yeah
2: (laughs) They have a roadblock setup, or at least an overturned truck was convenient for one. But Starman ain't nothing to fuck with. He, <laughs> he uses one of his orbs to go right through the fucking tanker truck, but they walk away completely protected by blue glow.
5: For the time, I would guess some decent effects.
2: Mm-hmm. Maybe, but it's definitely
1: one of those films where the uncanniness of the visual effects, I think, actually helps the presentation.
2: This score is goddamn majestic here. Oh, God, yes. Perfect 80s otherworldly synth. (laughs) And Sherman and the helicopter land only to see a fiery inferno with no trace of them except the destroyed Mustang. He reports that some people saw her carry saw him carry her out and there are no bodies. They're headed to. Grand Junction, Colorado, because there's a roadblock there. I love how things are so vague and <laughs> just in Grand Junction. <laughs> <laughs> and they appear to have escaped, and I'll give them credit for creativity. A mobile home being transported.
3: Yeah. And and I I like the the choice, as strange it is, of this mobile home is where this bit of the plot happens because they're hidden away but still physically advancing forward on their journey while Starman does the thing he's going to do here. Mm
4: -hmm.
2: And inside, Starman starts using his deer magic once again, now that they are down to two magic orbs. I'm guessing that's what those mean. Yeah,
5: I don't think it was ever outright explained what happens if he uses all of the orbs before he gets picked up.
1: I mean, to reference a joke we already made, at the very least,
2: it means he's out of spell slots.
1: Yeah, for sure.
2: <laughs> so he brings her back to life as the score sounds like a very slow grandfather clock from Saturn or something. Gosh, I expected the Rocky Mountains to be rockier than this.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh, there they are in the painted background. <laughs> Starman's hot woman magic must take a lot longer than deer magic because it's nighttime and his hand is going full cave.
5: The Big Red Machine,
2: and he's still at it. Oh, now there's a kiss. That's what would make it work. Finally, it only took a kiss.
3: at Sleeping Beauty rules, I guess.
2: Alien
5: romance, alien romance.
1: I, I just thought of a joke that would probably only be funny to two listeners. And it's this hand of his glows with an awesome power that tells him to heal this woman.
2: <laughs> I'll take your word for it. His hand of mine is burning red
4: okay
2: <laughs> so jenny Gundam, wa- no okay i'll, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll <laughs> so jenny walks out of the trailer like she didn't just have half a shotgun blast and she's just all like did did the diamond cutter better now and <laughs> let's go into the restaurant with the creepy charlie chaplin statue <laughs> and suddenly Starman is in a green car with some guy and the walkie talkie soldier clan is signified by a minor note in the score, so you know shit's going down. Someone calls for Sherman, though, and somehow they got Jenny's phone call through directly to him. Romance rules, but <laughs> satellite phone, probably. I'm sure the military had that before anyone else. Can confirm. No, oh, no, Baldar, the big phone. <laughs> <laughs> she wants to clear it up that it wasn't a kidnapping. Another real one. The waitress somehow knows she was looking for the guy who just took a ride with the cook.
3: Yeah. These waitresses are the watchers of the road. <laughs> she describes <laughs>
5: really? she describes him as kind of nice looking.
2: Jeff Bridges in the 80s. Strong agree. Uh-huh. Yes. Agreed. <laughs> and Sherman, yes, Sherman wants to know who or what took her. And she says he just doesn't want to hurt anyone. She's all like, hey, I need a ride," and, Some of your young dude is like, sure, this sounds like fun. It was a different time. (laughs) Two people willing to give long distance rides to random strangers with no questions asked. Although probably better that they didn't, given how the truth would sound to most people who don't read Tinglers. (laughs) Discount Blake Clark asks Starman what they do for work.
3: (laughs) And uh, he makes maps. I I like that that he's decided, like he knows what he does in English language.
2: And his wife had to get a job in order to afford college in <laughs> the 80s. <laughs> uh. he, he offers Starman a smoke and uses a lot of euphemisms for money. And the smoke doesn't sit well with Starman at all.
5: <laughs> he looks and sounds like Charlie huffing a hairball. This is a very <laughs> <Yeah>. heavy cough.
2: <laughs> That's a, yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> and the cook quickly realizes that he's not from around here because of his intolerance of smoke. Speaking of different time, Starman and Chet Hunter hit the roadblock in the middle of the desert and Starman sees him initiating while the woman in front of him is wearing the exact same red flannel (laughs) and Sherman tells them to keep the people in line while Starman starts just wandering away passing a woman wearing a dining room tablecloth and a leather jacket on top of it. (laughs) Jenny and Slater arrive in his vintage Hot Wheels impression. (laughs) (laughs) And yet another one. Blue guy is just willing to throw a fucking gas bomb into the desert (laughs) and take off in another diversion. You could never make this
5: movie today because everyone now is such selfish assholes.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God, that's right. (laughs) Hey, the, this dude's a hot rodder. He knows how to make an exit. Where are they meeting all these people willing to put themselves on the line for complete strangers?
3: Yeah. I, I mean, back to what Murph just said. I mean, this much kindness from strangers feels more like science fiction <laughs> than the alien plot of the film. <laughs> yeah. So Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I like this fantasy
2: world. Love yeah. it. I was expecting more bozo and bathroom guy, and instead, those were the exceptions.
4: Yeah, yeah it's
5: literally all bozos. <laughs> I literally
4: <laughs>
5: got hit on because I was wearing a mask in a place that didn't have masks. He's like, I'll bet you're real pretty under there. <laughs>
4: like, oh, God.
2: <laughs> 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 bozo. In-
5: bozo, big time bozo.
2: In the Please miss- just walk
3: around calling people bozos now. I've, I think <laughs> we need to bring back bozo.
5: i actually do already like you just start with me day to day but i use bozo a lot
1: like that would be a situation to go full Bobby Hill and kick him in the nuts screaming, that's my purse. I don't know you. <laughs> that was good.
5: He was rigging me up at the at a gas station. So uh, there was also a gross power dynamic going
2: on. There. Uh. For the record, this is also the darkest gas station in history. So <laughs> oh, <it's gross. laughs> yeah, I don't want to go in there. No matter mm. how much snacks I wanted. Yeah. if If you don't have to stop in DeForest, Wisconsin, don't (laughs) so they hitch up with people traveling via blue pickup back when that wouldn't get you pulled over (laughs) and given the background they're in the location of every western movie in hollywood history while a woman holds her baby starman says it was pretty obvious that he wasn't good for her health and she's upset because he didn't even say goodbye now she must teach him this custom They hear the baby crying and Jenny holds her while Starman explains that he understands the reproductive deal.
5: (laughs) This baby has that kind of baby hair
2: that just stands straight up. It does like defies physics and it's great. Yeah. My poor little niece came out with a full head of curly black hair already. (laughs) Oh
4: my God.
1: I saw the, she, uh, she's so cute.
2: Mm -hmm. (laughs) She's so fucking cute. I'm so obsessed with her. We got to go meet her soon. (laughs) (laughs) So he asked if she has a baby and she says they wanted to, but she wasn't able to.
3: All right. So hear me out. Is he going to use a magic marble to impregnate her? Because I I feel like this is something he would do. Yeah. Oh,
1: no, 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 no. You do. Don't worry. He's not going to use a marble.
2: He's going to do it the old fashioned way. (laughs) So they arrive in a train yard because we're hitting all of Rissy's special special interests in this movie.
4: Yes.
2: (laughs) And they decide to go all hobo shoestring while the immigrant woman hands them a blanket to keep dry. God, again, kindness of strangers. (laughs) And the train leaves as Starman's health starts to wane a bit, but. Whoa, they gotta get him out of them wet clothes and get him warm. And as it turns e- out, e- inside e- this boxcar there was only one bed.
1: Oh <laughs> wow. How am I gonna pay for this pizza?
2: <laughs> <laughs> so Starman starts taking her clothes off in return, and we're about to get the content of two-thirds of the McCool household's reading list. Hey,
4: you get
5: <laughs> you get your special interests, and I get by that this is our cross-section of a Venn diagram movie hey i'm
2: acknowledging (laughs) not judging thank you starman may not like everything but he sure enjoys a good nut oh god (laughs) his
5: face jesus
2: it's terrific like dutch apple pie
3: (laughs) this is what he'll report on when he returns to his home planet
5: for science
1: always for yes. science <laughs> and,
3: and just a note it's interesting to me what was considered PG in 1984
1: hey it's it, it's interesting to consider there wasn't
2: a pg 13 rating until 1984 okay. thanks temple of doom yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird ripping into someone's chest and pulling out a still beating heart is a little edgy who so knew that, yeah. <laughs> So the helicopter lands at a racetrack with a house inside in New Mexico. And Sherman finds out that before the thing crashed in Madison,
0: purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts.
4: Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts
0: It
2: was on its way to Arizona. Now how the fuck would they know that? Well, they have the speed, the course, the trajectory.
5: And they could probably tell this, by the way, of how far it impacted into the ground where it did land. So they could figure it out.
1: They're showing the the, the, there's a scene here. They show them the charts of the projection. And they said NORAD had made I think it was actually said out loud. NORAD made the radar projections based on all
2: that stuff, like the speed course trajectory and whatnot. So, yeah, Mm. they could they could probably model that out. yes. So Sherman provides the walk through the E.T. Lab, surprisingly, without anyone asking him, what's with the life preserver? (laughs) Welcome to Earth, says not Will Smith. Yeah,
3: Will Smith learned everything from comb
2: over Sherman. (laughs) Yeah, it shows. And Independence Day learned everything from this movie, I think. Jenny sleeps away. The bang rang as (laughs) Starman is still holding the O face several hours later. And somehow Starman knows they're almost where they need to be, which is great when you're traveling like livestock in the days before the internet. He says he likes to watch her sleep and, even realizes that it would be a little creepy in any other context. (laughs) He says there's no way he could stay, but he gave her a baby tonight. Speaking of two thirds of the McCool household reading. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, no way. But Starman is like, don't argue. I gave you a boy who's going to be human, the child of her husband, but also his.
3: And without using a magic marble.
2: <laughs> oh, he used some magic from his marbles, all right. <laughs> yeah. That whole more was morph- going to
3: say something back to the blue <laughs> balls, but I'm not going to.
2: That whole more formed everything, and it's functional. <laughs> <laughs> I'm well
4: versed.
1: I'm, I'm I'm fu- fully functional. Well versed <laughs> in multiple techniques.
2: <laughs> so he'll know what Starman knows, and grow up to be a teacher. But. Also says he can stop if she wants Starman says pro-choice rights. Yeah.
3: Starman for Supreme Court justice.
1: Oh, two votes like empathy and genetics meets proper informed consent. And I got to say, when it got to this point and he says, I gave you a baby. I was like, oh, dear, (laughs) Uh, we're going that route. And then he as he kind of explains both I guess how the child is going to develop and what it means to literally be a child of two worlds. He, he says that yeah. if you do not want this, I will make it stop. Yay. Good for him. And secondly, he he makes it plain that he did it because of what she said, that she always wanted to have a baby with Scott, but never could. And he is genetically identical to Scott. So he gave her the child, her dead husband never got to give her. Yeah, as a way to as a way to to pay, to pay back her kindness. Yeah. So looking at it in both of those contexts, it's it's both it's both a really generous gift and also really properly forward thinking. Like, if you cannot if you do not want this, I will
2: make it stop. And that's good. This is all good.
4: Yes. <laughs> well <very> done. Well.
2: <laughs> so Jenny asks Starman to point out where he's from so she can tell the kid where his dad's from. But I thought he was going to know everything Starman does.
3: Yeah, or this child just goes on to be Star-Lord and Guardians of the Galaxy with Earth Mom, Space Dad, but hopefully not played by the worst Chris, Chris Pratt.
5: (laughs) Please, Chris (laughs) Pratt.
2: Yes,
3: better enunciation there, yeah.
2: Yeah, conveniently, they're in the middle of nowhere, so they have no ambient light, but they're close to Winslow. But maybe not. That looks awfully big for Winslow. (laughs) That's just a bit. (laughs) They start crawling under trains to avoid the bulls and shit. They went to Vegas. Conveniently, (laughs) the train yard is in the middle of the strip and (laughs) she says they need to rent a car. Vegas sure is an odd place for stuff. He overhears a casino crier and he puts together an arm and a leg from his conversation with the cook with money they need. She only has two quarters and a stamp from season three of Fargo, but Starman is all like, I can rig the system. When he doesn't win, <laughs> he fixes it so that he does, which wouldn't draw any attention in the casino whatsoever.
1: <laughs>
2: the eighties. This when you... was what
1: I guess this was just before everything was like had like eighteen thousand security cameras on it and a an
2: uh, armed staff that could occupy a major American city. <laughs> yeah, the eighties when you could rent a car with quarters and no ID. <laughs> hey, before she could collect everything, he wins again. half a million jackpot this time so they just fucking buy a cadillac instead must be nice
3: (laughs) yeah and a half million jackpot that feels like a lot now so in 1984 terms wasn't that like a lot a lot
2: yeah Yeah. and i guess i guess it's the down payment on his child support since international western union just doesn't have the technology oh you know the frankie
5: are gonna be all over that shit
2: Yep. It's like the rule of acquisition says a star man without profit is no star man at all. <laughs> so Sherman's not a fan of the giant autopsy room slash alien 50 shades dungeon. But <laughs> you don't recognize an emergency autopsy room. Would you see what Sherman <laughs> and discount Sergeant Slaughter considered this a <laughs> combat mission? And Sherman is having none of his shit. Again, it goes back to his the notion that they, they,
1: Starman and his people found the golden record. He actually exasperatedly throws his hands up and says, We invited him here.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but he's all like, I outrank you, and you could go back to living on that few quarters they'd pay you to teach science at Cornell. Well, <laughs> <Lol. laughs> <laughs> Dalton Voss's more dickheadish brother just continues <laughs> his dickheadedly ways. <laughs> That's that one's just for you, Brian. $50,000? <laughs> That's all your daughter's worth to you? You're a billionaire. That's pathetic. <laughs> Okay. Okay. (laughs) 100,000. So Jenny asks Starman what his planet is like, and he more or less sees Bill and Ted good future, but they've lost something. He finds the humanity so much more alive, though, and he'll miss the cooks and the singing and the dancing, the eating and definitely the orgasms. (laughs) The
3: other things, he says.
2: (laughs) Don't forget your old face. Mm. Starman fucks. (laughs) And they come upon a random highway stop decorated with teepees. So naturally there's some white dude working there and he offers them cherry cobbler because he asks for pie, but I thought <laughs> he got his pie last night. It's talking about pie. I just wrote in the notes. The rock says, do you like <laughs> pie?
4: <laughs>
2: he offers the love the pie, or It's a free deal, which his wife made. And they're only five or six minutes from the crater. She asks if he has a wife back at home, because, of course, in Bill and Ted Utopia, they must be straight and monogamous. And she wishes she could be that wife. But oh, shit, the cops are there. They ruin everything yet again. Mm -hmm. And Sherman shows up with his life preserver and another coat over top in fucking Arizona. (laughs) (laughs) All I can say is, uh, well, it's a dry heat. (laughs) (laughs) And that fucking George Fox is on the way over to rescue the daughter who wants to get away. And he finally gets to meet the two of them and is shaking like a fanboy at a Star Trek convention.
3: He, he needs to sit down. He's so verklempt. Mm-hmm. In a, oh, my God. He just, he's
1: adorable. Yeah.
3: Yes, he is. He's absolutely
1: adorable in this moment. It's like, oh, shit. Everything i worked for is, is like come to life in front of me.
3: It's like Aww. if Carl Sagan met a star man.
1: Yeah.
2: Oh, wow. That's exactly like
1: that. <laughs> oh. Literally, yes. It's literally yeah. what happens here.
4: <laughs>
2: so Sherman asks if there's anything he can do for them. If it isn't letting them go and he confirms he's meeting someone there, but why the crater starman confirms they've been here before because they're interested in their species. Even IDs him literally as an anthropologist. (laughs) Yep. So starman says that humanity is at their very best when they're at their very worst. Oh God, that line made me smile. And Jenny pleads that (laughs) if he stays, he'll die as he's slowly fading.
5: We can't fix this one with kissing or plowing. It's not that magic.
2: For letting them go, Jenny gives him a full kiss on the lips. Damn girl. And Starman follows up by mimicking it in return. And for 1984, I'm damn shocked there was no ew, gay kiss. No, no,
1: no, no. Just just letting the awkward moment hang there is comedy enough. I think Carpenter knows what he's doing here.
2: Yep. <laughs> it's revealed that Sherman told the cops they were just the wrong ones.
5: This is not the <laughs> alien human pair that you're looking for. <laughs>
2: Sherman lights up a cigar in front of Fox's face, and he can't believe that Sherman doesn't know there's no business like snow business. There's a callback (laughs) for you. (laughs) So Sherman blows cigar smoke in his face. No, no, Sherman. That's for back in the alien fuck dungeon. (laughs) Maybe lots of fucky can keep him alive. Why don't
5: you try?
1: Oh, no, but I, I love this moment though, and that just satisfied smirk while he's chomping on that cigar because mm-hmm. like the, the the Colonel had raked him for
2: smoking those things before. He's like, "Fuck you." Yeah. <laughs> so they reach the crater while Starman staggers, still holding on but barely, and they hear something, and the entire apocalypse now. Valkyries are riding in. Jesus, <laughs> I guess Starman can only be picked up at a very specific location inside this giant crater. Because they book it toward the area. Three flying Vs come across the <laughs> desert and they're not fucking around or playing hockey. They're like, we'll warn you, but then we'll shoot mounted automatic weapons at you fuckers for being in a giant hole and not our fuck dungeon. <laughs> get out of that hole so we could get in yours. It's very on brand. she's doing a great job climbing down a giant cliff in cowboy boots which have leather soles well done
1: (laughs) also uh holy fucking shit like they they open fire a couple of times just to prove that they will um and dear god auto cannons and rockets in your general direction is not a safe warning shot no (laughs) no that's past warning
2: and as they come out of the smoke from the fucking missiles, <laughs> something's coming down from the sky. Starman is barely conscious at this point, And the mini Saturn makes all the helicopters land. Somehow they were willing to shoot at two beings, but none of them try to fuck with the spaceship planet mobile. That tracks.
3: Yeah. They were just cops and military protecting and serving and not caring <laughs> if they killed people, whatever, just doing yeah. their thing.
2: It starts snowing beneath them as Starman recharges, I guess.
3: And we get some, what I will call the happy, sad synth playing. Yeah. Oh, th- yeah. This
2: piece is the best of the whole score. Yeah. yeah. And Starman says he must go, but Jenny begs to go with. He says she will die there and she doesn't care, but Starman does. I I, I legitimately wrote in the notes with, without any irony. Aw. <laughs> he asks how to say goodbye and Jenny says to kiss her and say he loves her. And he does just that.
4: And his,
5: kitchen, his kissing is still a little bit twitchy, like all his other rare That's <laughs>
2: very cute. Well, he's a little bit jumpy. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> he confirms she'll never see him again. Not sure why, but fine.
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he says their species has visited before. Why can't he visit again?
2: I My my theory is on this because his task this time around is done, and next time someone else is going to go. Uh, and he says to tell the baby about him, which, Okay. They said he'll know everything he knows, but sure. And he gives her the last remaining magic marble orb saying he'll know what to do with it. Uh,
5: The baby will know what to do with the orb, but needs to be told about (laughs) Starman. It's fine. It's fine.
1: No, I I interpreted this as like, uh, tell him, tell him the stories of like how much you loved Scott and tell him the story about this visitor from the stars giving you one last time with your dead husband and How much you appreciate this visitor letting you have that moment yeah that's that's how i read that like tell tell him the story about how much
2: scott means to you and how much you appreciate this child for being scott's baby i can think of many people that i would give anything to have a three day road trip with one more time (laughs) uh, yeah exactly yeah Yeah. and he leaves their combined undertaker Kane snow entrance light show (laughs) via slow morph and the ship lifts so the movie ends
5: at least we didn't have to watch him disintegrate back into a baby <laughs> before he <laughs> left.
1: <laughs> yes, small blessings. <laughs> yeah,
2: And that's the end. That brings us to the large ham where we acknowledge our favorite over the top, enjoyably acted. And is there any it's Sherman? Of course,
1: Sherman. it's Sherman. It's Sherman. All are, of we, those. are we seriously going to argue against mm. an overly enthusiastic SETI geek in a first contact
2: movie? Of course, it's Sherman. <laughs> yeah, there's mm. no one that even comes close. so anyway to wrap up starman is an example of anthropology and film both of which i have degrees in and it utilizes the scholastic endeavor perfectly starman is a completely neutral objective observer who learns the rules rituals and traditions of american humans in the mid 80s an anthropologist immerses themselves completely into a culture and learns everything about them including participating as one of them based on what they see and learn especially with limited understanding of language, nuance, euphemisms, slang, everything like that. That's what we see here, most specifically highlighted by the red light scenes. It was the first film we watched with Dr. K in Anthropology and Film or Anthropology 226 at the University of Pennsylvania. And Dr. K, as far as I know, that class has never happened again and I never saw her again. So I'm so glad I got the chance to take that class and this, this lady, I won't try to pronounce her name. It's like Krasowitz or something like that, but it was so much fun. And I, I'm, I'm glad that the u canvas is still up so I could at least find the notes from this class because it was really interesting. And this film is so not my genre and not my era, to say the least, but it has so many of the things I love. Railroads, quirky acting choices, characters, character actors versus movie stars, on-scene locations, a good score and something I can tie to my education twice. It counted for both of those degrees. So Ooh. this story is interesting. The characters are sympathetic and engaging, and Jeff Bridges is masterful. It is the exception to my roles of this genre, and the best comparison I can make personally is the remake of Battlestar Galactica, which is the <laughs> one sci-fi TV series I enjoy, despite not being a fan of the overall genre. It got me with the character work and other things, and whereas I... If I stay awake during a Star Wars or Star Trek film, it's an accomplishment. It's also refreshing to see an alien encounters movie that isn't about the impending apocalypse as well. It's refreshing to see an 80s movie that doesn't have a homophobic joke or slur every five minutes. In fact, there's a man on man kiss and nobody cares. That surprised me. I really like this movie. What more can I say?
5: (laughs) When Riss showed this film to me, I was not expecting the story that unfolded because it is exactly the kind of thing that I like and exactly the kind of thing that I would not show her because I would not think that she would like it. But it's such a great film in every regard. And the connection that she made with it from the anthropology anthropologic perspective makes all the sense. And there are a lot of alien slash monster romance that I like that definitely have a similar commentary in its plot. So it makes me optimistic that there are other sci-fi things that we can enjoy together and not just star Trek. I'm not going to make you watch star Trek, except for when we do it with Callie. Mm-hmm.
4: <laughs> <laughs> the
5: the story itself is a lot of the same things that I love about alien monster romances, the world building even if we don't get all the details, she accepts that she can't get all the details. And so I felt fine to do so too. And humans don't and can't understand everything about everything. And it's hubris to believe otherwise, but maybe there's deleted scenes out there that explain more. Maybe there's more details in the screenplay about how all of it works and what the marbles are. And if the alien Species was like really plotted out. I, uh, and I, it, there was apparently many revisions. Uh, yeah, it screenplay. took five
2: years, I think.
5: Yeah, like after looking at the wiki and this article from the time from the Chicago Tribune, it's apparent that this got bumped all around to different writers and directors. And they would end up leaving it because of how similar this film is to ET and a more obscure film called Wavelength, which I, of course, also had to look up. And that (laughs) plot doesn't really have anything in common with Starman aside from aliens. (laughs) Like, this feels like the opposite of what movies get made these days, where things get ruled out if they're too different from what's popular and mainstream instead of like, oh, that's too similar when there's like one thing that's in common and it's synth city up in this score. So sign me up. And <laughs> I, I just adore any sort of non-human being having to like have human traditions explained to them because humans are just weird as fuck and explaining things out loud to someone who needs every level of why humans do things laid out to them. It just gives me such joy. And the performances are great. And I love how Seeing all these concepts and how they're explored and played out in what I would call a pretty realistic feeling way, aside from the time things like people not being assholes that we discuss <laughs> with <laughs> it, with the that appropriate suspension of disbelief, the amount of disbelief that you afford to romance—that's when you just say it's fine, and <laughs> I will I will love watching this movie many more times in the future, and I would say it's one of our movies now.
2: It makes me want to show you some of those anthropology notes I was talking about. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So as somebody who's brought up TV tropes on this show before, there's one trope in particular that stood out in my mind. Um, And it's a common one when you're talking about the idea of writers writing a story where an outsider of the human race observes and makes opinion and value judgment on human race, because most writers are human. That's the name of the trope. (laughs) and every time this comes up it, it, it in whatever media you're looking for or looking at it's always a window into what the writer either wants to celebrate about us as uh in terms of like their own cultural experiences or what they want to criticize specifically and 9 times out of 10 when you get this sort of setup of a visitor coming down from space or a visitor crashing on a crash landing on it, from space that sort of thing as well most of the time you'll see that they' they'll they'll have an attitude of uh starbit does say at one point, we're a primitive species, and that kind of just goes as a statement of fact. That's fine. He doesn't make a value judgment about that. Other media and other properties will like we're you're we're we're not enlightened enough to be part of space culture, that sort of thing. What I find refreshing about this is and 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 in the context that the movie itself makes and explicitly says when Sherman. Says, uh, hears about Starman's mission and explicitly calls him an anthropologist. Yes, from that perspective, there is no derision in any part of Starman's interactions with any person on screen. Uh, even the guy he gets into a fist fight with—it's uh, just a thing that happens because this is how humans are in this particular instance. He just kind of files it away for later as part of his overall report. There's never anything that says we are – there's never any indication that he thinks we are beneath him, even though we are. And that is such a refreshing take on this uh, genre that I was just kind of blown back when I saw that they're not going – the movie's not going this direction. The movie is just explicitly about learning – and understanding, but there is that one great line that he says to Sherman, "Um you're at your best when things are the worst, and it's one of those things that, without that balance of a derisive worldview about us for our primitiveness, it's just pure joy and it it's one of those things that kind of makes this movie a a ninety plus minute heartwarming moment in and of itself, and that was what I took away. And being most appreciative about is just like, even with the face of all this military apparatus, this uh, the the context of fear in the '80s, the Cold War, uh, industrial complex kind of coming to bear on these visitors who are just here to visit. And again, we invited them to visit. Um, they just kind of take it in stride and go, "Okay, that's just how it is." But here are some other examples. And we'll take all that into consideration and then just goes away. Mm -hmm. And that, yeah, I, I, so thank you for presenting this risk. This was a very refreshing take on a a topic I've seen done in many different media. And there's always that awkward balance this
2: time there wasn't. So this was fun. Yeah. And his neutrality makes it an interesting story as well as it makes Starman a good anthropologist. Mm -hmm.
3: And this was just a really fun, it was a road trip movie. Like, yeah, I I, just at, at a lot of its core, like it's that, that road trip story of the people you meet along the way. Mm
4: -hmm. And
3: the, I mean, in this film, the kind, like kind of guardian angels you meet along the way of people who just selflessly are there to help you,
5: the helpers,
3: the helpers look for the helpers or the helpers find you or whatever it is. And yeah. And so that part of it, it's, it was science fiction, but with a big heart and, you know, for, I know this is, but I heard about it, but I had not heard about this film until, <laughs> you know, it was introduced to watch for this podcast and it it was just such a delightful surprise. And I, I mean, again, I not knowing about it, I just, knew it was John Carpenter, but not John Carpenter-ish, other than weird <laughs> body stuff for one moment. So it was surprising in all the best ways. But even the more we've talked about it, I think just coming down to the the part really looking deeper at humanity for all its good and bad and through the eyes of this outsider who kind of becomes least one of us in a, in some ways. And so, I don't know. I just think it was, it was a fantastic movie and I'm so happy to have seen it. And this is definitely one that I will watch again. So thank you, Riss. It was awesome.
2: And you can thank us by going to patreon.com slash heard about it, where you get the episode early and get to hear a little bit of an extended version because (laughs) reasons. And next up is going to be Murph's pick. And this time I didn't wait to, know if you pick something beforehand I made (laughs) sure you had a pick ready to go
4: (laughs) yes Uh,
5: I wanted to keep the theme of someone being transported to a different world and then I was thinking fuck I want to watch some Ghibli so we're gonna watch Spirited Away
2: oh okay which I've never seen I've only (laughs) seen a couple of Ghibli movies I was Cat Returns Ghibli I don't know But I I know Panya was,
5: but it was very adjacent to Ghibli.
2: I have seen Panya. I hope this film has ham. (laughs) Um,
4: I think (laughs) there's
5: probably some ham.
1: There's there's uh, some ham. There's pork. There's uh, fish. (laughs) Yeah, there's there's a lot of food.
4: (laughs) Frog. Well, we'll find
1: out
2: in two weeks ish, because we all have lives and coordinating four people is really tough, but. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you with episode number 58.
3: All right, everybody.